636 on the all new this morning with Jay Lynn and Daryl. Thanks for joining us. Monday, May 15th, another hot one in the forecast, as you just heard, hearing right now that the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, said to stop in Edmonton this morning to meet with Canadian Armed Forces personnel who are fighting uh, the wildfires in the province. We know about 300 members of the CAF uh, have been deployed across the province to help with the blazes that have forced what, almost 20,000 people from their homes. So uh, we'll keep you updated on uh, on that as that all shakes down. One of the things that people have been fascinating to mm-hmm. watch is how these fires can sometimes create their own weather systems. We've seen that before. You've seen the, like a fire tornado yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. ripping through. It can actually, and we heard about it with the beast, especially mm-hmm. uh, in Fort McMurray back in 2016, creating its own individual weather system sparking new lightning, which can spark new fires even mm-hmm. away from where the uh, the original one had already be, been burning. Uh, let's see, is it the, the big word for it the is? The big word is? If you just break it down, so we know about cumulonimbus yes. clouds, right? <laughs> so you throw a pyro in front of that, and then what do you get, Jalen? Pyrocumulonimbus clouds. Bingo. Nailed it. Nailed it. Mike Fromm joins us this morning. He's a meteorologist with the Naval Research Lab in Washington, D.C. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning. Thank you. And uh, congratulations on pronouncing pyrocumulonimbus. (laughs) (laughs) It took me a little while. I had to practice a couple of times this morning. Tell us what these clouds are. Well, you pretty much captured it already just by the name. Pyro for fire and cumulonimbus is what we all know as a thunderstorm. And it is a thunderstorm that owes its very existence to the heat from the fire itself. And you can kind of imagine that uh, the fire has to be pretty big, has to be very intense, widespread, and enduring, enough to generate a heat bubble that creates the convecting cloud. And then there is a, uh, a sequence of events that feeds on itself to go from a pyrocumulus puffy cloud to one of these pyro CBs, which is short for pyrocumulonimbus. And uh, they are just like thunderstorms with lightning, uh, very high cloud tops. And the thing that uh, we focus on at NRL is the fact that these storms can actually inject smoke and other gases into the stratosphere, uh, almost like a volcanic eruption. So mm-hmm. it's like a thunderstorm on steroids. Wow. If it is big enough, and I'm not sure, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the, the huge fire that was around forming where we called it the beast, or it was nicknamed the beast yes. back in the day. And it was doing that same kind of thing. Does it need to be a fire of that magnitude to create this? Or are there smaller versions of the pyrocumulonimbus clouds? Well, that's a great question. And the answer is, yeah, there's a full spectrum of these fire storm clouds from ones that are like we might say they're ho-hum, they're not big or intense, Mm -hmm. to the extreme ones that usually occur not only over an individual fire, but a cluster of fires. In British Columbia in 2017, we had a cluster of a half dozen of these fires that all went pop at the same time. And so you can generate much more massive smoke clouds with numerous fires, numerous big fires acting almost in concert. Mm. Mike Fromm joining us uh, this morning, a meteorologist with the Naval Research Lab in Washington, D.C. We're talking about pyrocumulonimbus nimbus clouds and what they are and maybe some of the challenges that uh, come along with them. When we talk about those challenges, Mike, I mean, what, how, does it, how does it impact what the firefighters on the ground can do when they're trying to battle the fires that um, are forming these clouds? Sure. 
well, I have to give, give a caveat, and that is that I am not a firefighter or a fire management mm-hmm. expert, but I've collaborated with these folks for many, many years. And through my research and collaboration, what I found is that uh, when you get fires at this intensity level and this amount of excitation, uh, fire management and suppression uh, just become impossible. Hmm. They they make the tactical decisions not to fight because they can't. It's too beastly. It is too unsafe. It is very much unpredictable. And that's all occurring because of the the violence of the storm with, with very high winds, very low visibility because of the dense smoke. And uh, you mentioned lightning. And there's also something they call spotting, where these fires are ejecting embers, which go out in front of the fire, light new fires. And so it's this positive feedback loop. Altogether, it just makes fighting impossible. They have to wait for Mother Nature to damp it down. Uh, I'm curious about this. What difference does the research into this make as far as it, it, it's, it has to be purely observation? Is there any? I, I don't know that we can do anything about these kinds of clouds, can we? Apart from just try to prevent fire fires in the first place. But it, it's, it's, it becomes purely an observation exercise, does it not? I think that that's pretty accurate. Um, there are probably ways that you can mitigate the damage, in whether you're talking about your particular home or business, let's say, by fireproofing it and so on. There are other things that can be done uh, by setting up fire breaks and things like that to try to slow down the advance of a fire. But when, when this cycle of events starts... Uh, there is nothing that can be done, and it is, it's an observational thing for us to study and to try to understand better. Because I was saying to someone earlier, it's still a mystery, at least to me, just what fires trigger these and which ones don't. Mm-hmm. You know right now in Canada there are dozens of fires burning. Some of them may turn into a pyro CB and others won't. So we are observing and studying the best we can to, uh, to know those thresholds so we can help predict these firestorms for the for, for the folks on the ground. Yeah, that was going to be my next question for you for you, Mike, is about the research that's going into this and and what you're what you're focusing in on and and what that research looks like moving forward here. Yeah, what we're we're doing it on a number of fronts. One of them is what we call fire weather, and that's where you can get into the predictability of it. Because if you kind of know where you have fires already, uh, to know what are those meteorological conditions that support that. And in a nutshell, we kind of already know it, and we characterize it as hot, dry, and windy. Mm. And all of those are important, and I think especially the wind, because the wind obviously is what kind of moves the fire front along, and it stirs things up and excites it, and then the fire generates its own weather, and and things get Mm. even windier. So uh, hot, dry, and windy. So if we can predict with accuracy where it's going to be hot, dry, and windy, combine that with where the fires are, uh, then we have a pretty decent predictive tool. So we're getting better at it, but we're certainly not we're not down to the fire level where we can say this is going to happen or this is not. It's just a matter of warning the possibilities. Hot, dry, firestorm. Where's the humidity? <laughs> is, there, is there any moisture in any of these things? Where does the humidity come from? I thought that's what we needed to get a thunderstorm of, or a, a thunderstorm of any form. Well, it's, a, it's a paradox that you brought up, and that is that um, you actually need the air to be dry in order for the fuel to be dry and for it to combust at a relatively low temperature. So you actually won't find these conditions where you have high relative humidity, let's say. Even in nighttime, the pyro CBs and generally fires do what they call laying down at night because when, the, when you go from afternoon to nighttime, the relative humidity goes up 
it moistens the, the fuel in the boundary layer area near the earth, and uh, it just it suppresses the ability for a fire to get hot. So you need it to be very dry, which is, like you said, it's a paradox because you can still generate a fire cumulus cloud that has water vapor and water and ice crystals in it, but it's just not the kind of super moist situation that you get from a typical uh, afternoon thunderstorm in the summertime. Fascinating stuff, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and sharing your expertise on pyrocumulonimbus clouds. We sure appreciate it. <laughs> You're very welcome. Take care. Mike Fromm, again, a meteorologist with the Naval Research Lab in Washington, D.C., and this is kind of his area of study, mm. which is really, really fascinating. It is very interesting. And are you just going to take that word now and just throw it down like a gauntlet yeah. all through the rest of your day? Yep. Now that you nailed it? Now that I nailed it, and if I ever play Scrabble again, I'm going to hope for the best. Wow, that's an awful lot of tiles for a pyrocumulonimbus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I get that many tiles. I've yeah. only played Scrabble a couple of times. Yeah, so. I haven't. Hardly.